A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. How many of guys? How many of the guys in this competition are worth one million dollars? Now, there's not many guys that are on this much coin, and you know most of the guys that are probably shouldn't be realistically. But uh, you know their managers took advantage of clubs that were a little bit desperate, needed guys in key positions, and had huge potential. So they paid overs to get these guys. You know, we're talking guys like Ben Hunt, Ash Taylor, Milford, these sort of guys. Uh, but you know, in saying that, Anthony Milford, he was playing unbelievable footy when he signed that huge contract, as was Ben Hunt. So Ash Taylor. They signed on huge potential, and I know it's easy to say now that was a shit signing, but and, and you know it, it, it probably is fair they paid overs. But Ash Taylor coming out of you know junior footy, he looked like he was going to be a fucking superstar. Believe me, uh, but it hasn't panned out the way that Ash Taylor was expected, the way that management expected, the way the Titans expected it, and it's really hard when you do some of these contracts. Tamalolo is another one who's on you know cl- close to that, around that mark, and I mean. Uh, I mean, we're looking at what Taumalolo is doing at the moment. He's obviously had three fractured hands, which has been a huge issue, but he's not even being utilized in the right way. So personally, I wouldn't pay a million dollars for a middle. Uh, that just seems ridiculous to me. I understand Taumalolo is one of the best, if not the best middle we've ever seen, but it doesn't directly correlate to wins for me. Uh, so for me, a million dollars for a middle is a little bit overs. I really need the game-breaking sort of guys. And I've noticed that on uh, YKTR Sports, uh, the mag, Justin Horrow has dropped this afternoon his three players that he believes are worth $1.5 million, which, of course, is a huge salary cap hit. But they, they're, they're, it is becoming more and more a superstar league. As we spoke about this the other day, we spoke about this with Isaac John too, how that... You know, this game, it is just becoming more and more dependent on certain individuals and whether they are playing or not. Like, guys are swinging the odds by 80 cents now. Like, in all honesty, as far as betting goes, Tom Travojevic, he is worth so much to that Manly Seagulls team. You look at the way they started the season, how they're going now. It is a superstar league. It is dominated by individuals at the moment, which... Positives and negatives to it, uh, 100%. I think it's great for advertising and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, if your t- team is missing one of these guys, you know, you really do suffer. But at the same time, you look at the Melbourne Storm, for me, they're not a one-man team. Uh, but, 
you could argue that when they were out without Munster the other day against the Cowboys, they did struggle. But I don't think they are a one-man team. Whereas I think straight away, if you take out Tom Trevojevic and the Manly Seagulls, if you take out uh, Nathan Clear from the Penrith Panthers, I don't believe either of those two teams can win the comp. You saw the Parramatta Eels without Mitch Moses. Even though with Moses, they didn't overly improve too much since his return. But it definitely is a superstar league. And I had a look at Hoz's, uh three guys that he named as $1.5 million men. And I agree with most of them. The first one was Tom Trevojevic. We just spoke about him then. And I think it's very hard to push back on him being worth this sort of money. And don't get me wrong, it is an astronomical amount of money. Yeah, no doubt about that in any way, shape, or form. It is a huge amount of money. But for the impact that he has on the game, geez, I think it is worth it. Now, got to remember as well, if I would have said this to you a year ago, you would have absolutely pissed yourself. If I would have said a million dollars, you probably would have pushed back on me because he did have chronic hamstring injuries. If I would have said this to you six months ago before the season started, he already had a hamstring issue. You know, you would have pushed back on it heavily. But since returning, he has put together a number of games without an injury. So you would like to think that Tom Trevojevic has potentially turned the corner. I still think there would be a little bit of a fear giving him that much money. But if you don't, Someone else will, and and that's where these big lumps of money come from. And, you know, he might sign X amount of dollars. It might be 1.5 to stay at the Manly Seagulls, but I guarantee you a Tigers, uh, a Bulldogs, a Titans, one of these sides, they are they would be willing to throw 1.7 at him. Yeah, and, and I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Getting one of these three guys, it is a franchise-changing mood, and I move, and I just think that... Some of these bottom teams, they would give, they would sacrifice their entire soul to get one of these three guys. And Tom Trevojevic, he's probably at the very top of that list. It would still worry me with the hamstring issues. Obviously, he's put together a number of games now, and that's a completely fair shout. I can't push back on that. And when he is fit, I don't think there's any questioning that he is the best player in the competition. He is an unbelievable footballer. There was no one that even comes close to him. And it's not like it's been you know, little sporadic episodes of really good footy. Like, this year's been the best footy we've ever seen from any individual. But, I mean, Tom Trevojevic over the last few years, whenever he is playing, like, it hasn't been as good as this year, but I think it's been better than most individuals nearly every single year still. So, a freakish talent, the modern rules, they definitely suit Tom Trevojevic down to a T, being as quick as he is, being as big as he is, having the mindset that he does as well, which definitely matters when it comes to this sort of things. And that's where, as well... I would be happy to pay Tom Trevojevic this uh, this uh, amount of money because, yes, he's the nice guy. He's the guy that's cooking the barbecue down at, you know, Narrabeen Oval on Sunday afternoon. But he's also got the killer instinct. Yeah, he's he's not afraid to spray people in the field. He's not afraid to look up and see a weak defender at A and just say to the hooker, "Give me the fucking ball. Give me the pill. I'm just going to take it to, to, to the bloody try line for us. Yeah, oh, I'm going to deliver here." And that's the sort of footballer that you want if you're going to pay this much money. And Turbo, he's one of those guys. He's already shown as well that he can go and play state of origin football and do the same thing. The one thing that Turbo has to do now is dominate a final series. That's where you really elevate yourself to the next level. He's done it in origin. There's no question about that. He's one of the origin greats already, in my opinion. He has to dominate a final series. All the greatest players do. You look at the Manly Seagulls and guys that have dominated finals there. Obviously, you had Foz and DCE in 2011, killed at that series, along with, you know, in the late 2000s and 2011 as well, your Brett Stewart's, your Jamie Lyons, your Glenn Stewart's, these sort of fellas. You look at Jeff Tooby back in the 90s. They've all dominated final series. That's the next step for Tom Trevojevic, and that's the next challenge for him because off the top of my head, and I could be wrong, but I would guess Tom Trevojevic has probably played three to four finals games maybe, and I think this is something that people forget about him 
in his career that he really hasn't played that much finals footy. Obviously, in the first two years mainly of his career, mainly were obviously not overly crash hot realistically. Um, in fact, I'm having a look at it. He has played one game in the finals. Uh, which is pretty insane. So I, I said two to three, and that was overs. Now, the only finals game that he played in was all the way back in 2017. That was four years ago. So a massive test for Tom Dravojevic coming into finals footy for the first time in, jeez, oh, it's pretty much five years. That is just insane. But he is one guy that I agree. I would be happy to pay him $1.5 million moving forward. The next guy that has name was Nathan Cleary, and I back this one 100%. I think he is the best halfback in the game. Funnily enough, another guy, though, that hasn't really dominated a final series yet. He's very young. I understand that. He's been in a good team for a while. He's played, you know, a fair whack of finals footy, I would guess. I think he played a couple of years ago for the Penrith Panthers. He played last year as well. Um, I'm just getting up his numbers now of how many finals games he has played. I would say six or seven. He's played nine finals games. Yeah, he's won 55% of them. Not a bad record, five and four. Uh, But you want to see Nathan Cleary still deliver on those very big stages, which he had the opportunity to do last year. We didn't really see it come through there. But that's another step that he needs to take. It, it's funny that the two guys I'm so confident should be $1.5 million players. They haven't won a comp. They haven't do- dominated a final series either. So a really, really interesting take. Obviously, you could argue last year, Nathan Cleary, um, I think it was week one against the Roosters. I think he scored three tries and kicked the winning field goal as well. So it's not like he's been a pedestrian through finals footy, but he hasn't really owned a series like the great halfbacks have in the past. And you look through all the great halfbacks in rugby league, they have a final series that they really own. Nathan Cleary doesn't have that yet, but he is at a very young age. And I just think the leadership, the kicking game, the running game, defensively, he is unreal. I speak quite often about not wanting to have spot defenders in the seven jersey. I absolutely hate it. I hate the fact that we just ignore that about Jonathan Thurston's career when we talk about him as one of the greats, especially when we're comparing him to Freddie and Joey. I've spoken in length about this. For me, it matters. I know people just want to look at the attacking upside because that's the era we're living in, unfortunately. But defense matters. It doesn't matter what position you're playing. Defense matters. You can't just ignore 50% of the game. It matters for me. Nathan Cleary is one of the best defensive halves I've seen, probably since Joey, to be honest with you. He's an unreal defender, Cleary. Absolutely love the way that he defends. He's like a back rower, like Joey was, like Freddie was. They can do all this stuff with the ball. They can play tempo. They can kick. He can goal kick. He can kick field goals. There's nothing Nathan Cleary can't do. And then you turn the ball over, he puts you in a corner, and he can jam you as well. So just an unbelievably talented player, Nathan Cleary. And Tom Travojevic, he hasn't achieved on the biggest stages yet, but I would be willing to pay $1.5 million. And I have no doubt whatsoever that if he was to come off the market right now and be available to numerous other clubs, there would be some of the other clubs like the West Tigers, uh, maybe not the West Tigers because of the Cleary connection, but like the Gold Coast Titans, these sort of guys that I have no doubt they would be happy to fork out $1.7 million to get a Nathan Cleary onto their team because he is a game changer. He's the best seven in the game, and he looks like he's going to be the best seven in the game for quite a while to come. Yeah, there's no one else really at his level or no one else really looking like they're going to get to his level. You've obviously got Sam Walker, unreal footballer. He's a number of years away from being to where Nathan Cleary is and he needs a lot to go his way in the meantime. So Nathan Cleary, I would be more than happy to pay him 1.5. The last guy, Cameron Munster. Now, obviously, Hoz is a big fan of Munster. They do a podcast together. They're very good mates and... You know what? If you would have said to me at the end of last year, do you pay Munster $1.5 million? I would have said yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, pro- pro- 
probably not at the end of last year, but when I look back at the footy he played last year, I would say yes. When I look at the footy he's played this year, I sort of question it, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, if you're paying a guy 1.5, it sort of lessens the opportunities to sign other guys around him. It makes the other players around him a little bit lesser. Um, and, you know, it, it just becomes hard to balance a salary cap. And I sort of, you know, I haven't really seen Cam Munster leave this Melbourne side and them completely capitulate, to be honest with you. Yeah, they struggled against the Cowboys in one game. But I also haven't really seen them without Cam Munster. But I tend to believe that they would probably be okay without Cam Munster, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, his kicking game has improved out of sight. He's tenacious as all fuck. He's a natural footballer as well, and that's what really matters to me when it comes to Cam Munster. He's one of my favorite players in the game to watch. But for me, for $1.5 million, I think I need a guy that is going to be the best player on the field week in, week out. Now, you could argue against that with Cam Munster because most of the time when the big stages come, he is the best player on the field. Uh, he steps up unbelievably. Origin this year, we didn't really see it from Munster. I thought he played well, to be honest with you, but he didn't do enough to be able to turn the tide completely. And I understand when, you, when your pack is getting dominated and all this, uh, it's very hard to do that. But, I mean, that's what, like, Joey's and Freddy's and these sort of guys did, which if they were in the modern game, I'd be paying them $1.5 million. I wouldn't think twice about it. Munster, it's interesting. As I said, the first two guys, and maybe it's a bit of recency bias for me, and if you were to say to me, oh, you're being biased because of recent events, I probably wouldn't push back on you. It's probably a fair shout. But I look at the way that Cleary and Travojevic are playing this year under these modern rules, and I think, yep, I would pay them 1.5. I look at the way that Munster's playing this year, and I probably think, you know what, I probably wouldn't go to 1.5, 1.3, maybe 1.4. I mean, there's not much difference from 1.5. Probably 1.3, I'd probably be happy to settle on Munster. But you've got to remember that we haven't seen him in the finals yet, and Munster saves his best footy for the big stages. He didn't deliver an origin, which for me... Just makes him even more dangerous come finals footy this year. So at the moment, I'm sort of sitting on the fence with Munster, to be perfectly honest with you. The first two, I would 100% pay $1.5 million to keep them. But as I said, they haven't delivered on the big stages. Munster has, but his form right now under these modern rules isn't at the same level of those other two guys. I think that you couldn't really argue for anyone else outside of these three. Uh, Tedesco, I think you could put a fair argument up for, but I wouldn't be willing to pay him $1.5. A Latrell Mitchell, a Cody Walker, another two guys you could make really fair arguments for, but I'm not going to pay them $1.5. They'd be in that $1.2 to $1.3 sort of category. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, who else would even be in this category? Just going to have a look at who else Hoz said. Kalen Ponga, another one that would be up there. I would put him in around the 1.2, 1.3 mark again. Obviously, he brings a lot off the field as well. So if a club that was struggling was to sign KP, it'd be massive. He's your billboard guy, so probably lifts his profile a little bit. The other guy's Harry Grant. Now, you all know I'm a huge fan of Harry Grant. I think he will be the best hooker in the game for the next 10 years. And I probably wouldn't pay him that much right now because I don't think his market value is worth that much right now. But if if I was a club, couldn't get any of these other top guys, and Harry Grant's management said to me, we'll come to you, but for 1.5, I'll tell you what, I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking about it. Because I saw what he did at the Tigers when he hadn't played first grade before and he had a preseason at a different club and he w- walked into the most dysfunctional fucking system in the world. And he was so impressive. I just, I, I would seriously consider paying 1.5 to get a guy like Harry Grant. And it is a bit of a gamble. I'm not going to put him in the Ash Taylor category. That would be beyond ridiculous. But you are paying 
for potential in the future. And I've said from, you know, two and a half years ago, you guys have heard enough that I think Harry Grant's going to be one of the all-time greats. I wouldn't want to pay him $1.5 million right now, but I think in two years' time, he's going to definitely be in that category, which is scary to think when you consider all these other guys are fullbacks and halfbacks, yeah, uh, and, and five-eighths for Munster as well. But I think Harry Grant in the future, he could be up there. But for me, the two standouts in this competition so far, based off form this year, it has to be Tom Travojevic and Nathan Cleary. Turbo's doing stuff that I've never seen anyone do before, so $1.5 million for him. Take it. Here's a blank check. Run away with it. Nathan Cleary, I mean, I just think he's the best seven in the game. He's got the best kicking game. He's got one of the best running games. Uh, he just needs to own those big moments, which I personally think, as I've always said to you guys, even though last year I said, I don't think the Panthers are going to win this comp. I don't think they'll be able to beat Melbourne on the big stages. I don't think Nathan Cleary is going to handle these big teams on the big stages. But as I've always said, it's a matter of time until he does. And I think every day we go through Nathan Cleary's career, that day where he can well and truly handle big teams on the big stages is a step closer. I don't think it's going to be this year, to be honest with you. I don't think they win the premiership. But I think over the next few years, Nathan Cleary, he's going to be a serious force to be reckoned with, a freakish player and a guy that I am more than happy to pay $1.5 million for. Cars got a message sent to me this week by Dane on Instagram. He asked me, who are you tipping to win the Clive Churchill medal this year? So I thought I'd go through the odds, give you a bit of value where I think there is potentially some. And when I have a look at these Clive Churchill medal odds, obviously the Clive Churchill medal is awarded to the man of the match in the grand final. So last year we saw Ryan Pappenhausen get it from the Melbourne Storm. And if you would have got on him during the season, you're probably looking at about 25 to 1 odds. Earlier in the season especially, you could have got heaps more for Pappy. So... There's always a bit of value here and, you know, there's been a lot of guys in the history of rugby league that have won this award that they wouldn't have been the favourites and if you got on them during the year, you could have been an absolute mozzo. I mean, like guys like Luke Lewis uh, when he won it for the Cronulla Sharks, you know, guys like Brent Kite who won it for the Manly Seagulls, Willie Mason, a heap of these guys that have won it that aren't spine players that you really could have got a heap of value on during the season. Personally, I think the way the game is played now and the teams that are going to be in the grand final, I think it has to be one of the spine players, but we'll run our eye over and see if there's a bit of value anywhere we can find here, because a lot of these guys, a lot of the top guys, they won't change too much. For example, Nathan Cleary, he's the favourite at $8. Now, if the Penrith Panthers are in the grand final, I would say Nathan Cleary, he'll come into about 6 or $5.50. Uh, the, the best man for the Melbourne Storm is Cam Munster. Now, he's at 11 which is a little bit long but you've got to think with Cam Munster, I mean, there's going to be a number of other guys that are going to compete for the Clive Churchill medal on that day. We're talking Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, uh, you know, you got Brandon Smith. There's a, there's a host of guys in the Melbourne Storm that could get it. Realistically, for the Penrith Panthers, if they're going to win the grand final, I think it's only going to go to one of probably two guys. For me, it would probably be Nathan Cleary or Isaiah Yo. I think it would have to be one of those two. So as we said, Nathan Cleary, he's at $8. Uh, he's, he's the short price favorite there at $8. I think that's good value for Nathan Cleary if they are in that grand final, but I don't think that they will win it. I don't think Cleary will win the Clive Churchill. But if you do think Penrith are going to win it, I'll tell you what, I really like $8 for Nathan Cleary. If you've got the Panthers winning this premiership, Who's going to take it off him? I think it has to be Isaiah Yo. I'd be having a little bit of loose change on Isaiah Yo if I was going to get on it. Appy Curacao's another one. Isaiah Yo's at $34. He will be into about 15s or so for Clive Churchill medal if the Penrith Panthers are in the grand final. So one to have a look out there. We've got a host of Melbourne Storm players here. Let's go through them. At $11, Cameron Munster. 
at $13, Harry Grant, $13, Jerome Hughes, $13, Ryan Pappenhausen. It'll be huge for Pappy to go back-to-back. Clive Churchill medals, based on what we're seeing from Pappy at the moment, I'd probably have to doubt it, though, realistically. Uh, obviously, it's still another eight weeks away, so it'll be a different Ryan Pappenhausen. He looks a little bit hesitant to me at the moment, though. Uh, other guys from the Melbourne Storm, you got the Cheese at $21. With his role changing, I probably doubt that he's going to get it, but he's a guy that could be a bit of value. Nico Hines, this is the interesting one, $26. Now, if they have an injury essentially anywhere in the spine moving forward, whether it be fullback, 5'8", halfback, I think Nico Hines is the guy to come in. And at $26, he could be really good value. And for all we know, if they just have an injury in the grand final at some point and Hines comes on, I mean, he's got the caliber to be able to get a Clive Churchill medal. So he's a little bit of a value guy. I wouldn't be investing too heavily into him, but one to think about. Other South Sydney guys that are on this list, uh, Jesse Bromwich, he's at $51. I don't think he's probably got the impact in his game anymore to be able to do it. Justin Olam's an interesting one, $51. I just think that if you're not a spine player, you're going to have to do a lot to be able to win this Clive Churchill medal. And dare I say, we've seen a lot of front rowers that have won it in the past. We've seen a lot of front rowers recently who probably deserve to win it. Jared Rhea Hargraves, his name was obviously mentioned in 2018. I mean, he, he, he was told that he had the medal. Then they gave it to Jack Whiten. I think in the modern game, you're not going to see front rowers get it. So guys like Christian Welsh, Nelson Asava Solomon, these sort of guys that seem appealing, I think they're at very long odds in the modern game under the modern rules to do enough in a game to win the Clive Churchill medal. Unless, of course, you are paying Haas with that sort of ability. But I don't think there's any of those guys that are going to be playing in the final. So I'm ruling a lot of those guys out. The other guy from the Melbourne Storm that I'd be keeping an eye on is Felice Cafusi. He's currently coming in at $67 on Sportsbed. He's a guy, along with Kenny Bromwich, who's also at $67. Your edge back rowers. Just the way that they play and how destructive these two are and how consistent they are, it wouldn't shock me if these two uh, could potentially sneak in there, but they're more of a value play. Let's move to uh, the Manly Seagulls. Now, Tommy Turbo at $13. If you genuinely believe the Manly Seagulls will be in this grand final, $13 for Tom Trevojevic is a fucking steal. He was close to man of the match last weekend, and they lost, and he didn't even play that well. If Manly are going to win this grand final, I think it has to come from Tom Trevojevic. And if something happens that the Melbourne Storm lose a game, get injuries, something, and Tom Trevojevic is playing anyone other than the Melbourne Storm in the grand final, mate, $13 is going to be an absolute shit-in. Even if it means that the Manly Seagulls play the Melbourne Storm in the prelim final, which quite possibly could happen realistically, I mean, having Turbo against anyone other than Melbourne... $13 is going to be a steal. If he is in the grand final against the Melbourne Storm, I reckon he comes into about $6. If he's in the grand final against anyone else, I think he comes into $4 or so. I think he will be very, very short. Because if Manly are going to win, it's going to come from one guy, yeah? DCE, he'll be there and thereabouts. But I think Tommy Trevojevic, he's got to be the guy from the Manly Seagulls. He's definitely one that I'd be looking at. Outside of him... From the Manly Seagulls, as I mentioned, DCE at $51. There's some really good value there, but it just shows how good Tom Trevojevic is. The DCE, the halfback, he's at $51. That is astronomical. 
if you think Manly are going to be in the grand final, I think DCE is worth a bit of loose change at $51. That'll be ridiculous. He will come into probably 13s, 14s, maybe even lower come grand final day. I think that's a steal at 51 for DCE. Other guys from the Manly Seagulls that I think could win it, I think Josh Schuster, he could be a little smoky. I'm scrolling down trying to find his name. Jake Travojevic at $101. He's another option. If they do play a Melbourne Storm, I don't mind Jake Travojevic. That's a really long odd shot there. Uh, but you can just see... The money that has come for Tom Travojevic and the money will come for him, he will shorten up so much. So $13, that is a steal for him. And at $51 DCE, that is highway robbery. Where He's been to a grand final before. He's also won a Clive Churchill medal before. So he could be joining a pretty elite club of two Clive Churchill medalists if the Manly Seagulls manage to get there. Uh, I think there's a bit of value in those Manly boys if you think they can make it there. The Penrith Panthers, obviously Nathan Cleary at $8. The next one on that list is Jerome Luai at $19, another good pick. I do think it'll be Cleary if one of those two is going to get it, though, realistically. Abby Curacao at 23. That's a good little option. We mentioned Isaiah Yo earlier before. Matt Burton's another smoky at $34. We know that Nathan Cleary has this injury. The re-injury rate is reasonably high from what I've gathered. So Matt Burton, he could end up in a grand final playing in a key position in the halves. And we know how well he plays when he jumps into 5-8. So that could be absolutely anything. Another one that if it is a close game, and I've already sort of said that I don't think front rowers can win this award just based on how the modern game goes. But if you get two teams that do show up on their best offensive day, James Fisher-Harris, he will have to be right up there. Viliami Kikau is another one who's destructive enough to be able to win this award. Uh, Kurt Capewell at $81, probably not my sort of look, to be honest with you. Liam Martins at $101. If he manages to squeeze his way into this starting team, he's another guy that you could consider. Look, the, the last team that I genuinely think can win this competition is the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And for them, the red-hot favourite is, of course, Cody Walker. When I say red-hot favourite, he's at $21. They are unbelievable at the moment, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They're going to have a couple of tests over the next few weeks. I think they play the Roosters. That'll be a good test to see where they're really at. This team, they've been on this unbelievable run. They haven't really taken down any of those top teams. They played Parramatta the other day, who were probably the fifth fifth or sixth best side in this competition. That's the closest they'll get to a top four team. They absolutely gave it to them. So if you think that this South Sydney form is realistic, South Sydney form that they're going to be able to carry into the top four, I mean, Cody Walker at $21, that is ridiculous, especially on that left edge. The way that he's attacking at the moment is unbelievable. And as I've said all season... There's going to be a lot of emotion for South Sydney at the back end of this season. They're going to be farewelling Wayne. They're going to be farewelling Adam Reynolds as well. This this competition is going to mean a lot to them. The chance to send those guys off as winners is going to be huge. And I think Wayne Bennett, as laid back as he is and everything, he understands that if he wins this grand final, I'm pretty sure if Wayne Bennett wins this grand final, off the top of my head just thinking about it, this will be the fifth decade in a row that he has won a premiership. So I have no doubt Wayne, as he is every year, but I think he'll be extra keen to try and win it this year, especially to send off Adam Reynolds, a champion. And just another thing to add to the Wayne Bennett resume, winning a premiership at this club, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, would be unbelievable. Latrell Mitchell, another guy that we definitely have to talk about at $23. Obviously a big game player. He's played some unbelievable games uh, on grand final day. We've seen him absolutely destroy Will Chambers in the 2018 grand final. 2019, he came up with a flick pass to deliver that premiership to the Sydney Roosters as well. So big game experience. He's been there. He's done it before. It's hard to win a Clive Churchill at centre. It's a little bit easier at fullback. And we know that skill set out on the left side you would have to think 
if one of the South Sydney guys is going to get it, it has to be one of those two. Adam Reynolds, he's another decent shout at $41. But I just think the way that they play and the way that the game is played now with attacking highlights, and that's sort of how we look at it. Adam Reynolds, his role is constantly underrated. He does so much in every play to set them up but he just doesn't get the recognition for it. And I don't think... I think whatever Adam Reynolds does perfectly in all those set plays is great, but it all comes down to what Cody Walker does. That's what we talk about. So I think Adam Reynolds, it'll be tough for him to win it. The forward that I really like is Cam Murray. He's a guy that I would be keeping an eye on for the Clive Churchill medal. He's sort of that hybrid between a back and a forward. He can just do it all. And, you know, if he does make one or two breaks, he scores a try, and then you look at the stat sheet, and all of a sudden... Cam Murray, he's had 18 runs, he's had 45 tackles, and he's had this attacking input. He's definitely a guy that I think could take home a Clive Church, and I think he'd be well-deserved of it too. The last guy I'm going to talk about from South Sydney, it is Damian Cook, coming in at $51. Now, we haven't seen anywhere near the best footy out of Damian Cook to start the season. Normally, this is where he starts to taper and play some of his best footy. I think he's been absolutely exhausted the last few seasons by the time they've got to finals, but hopefully the later we push back Cookie's good form, hopefully we see it on grand final day. We know that the modern game is suited to Damian Cook. I'm expecting a grand final to be faster than any game we've seen all year, to be honest with you. So it could really suit Damian Cook. For me, if I'm going from South Sydney, I would probably have to go Cody Walker, though, realistically. Uh, Yes, he's the favourite there, but he's at $21. That's still really good value. If South Sydney are playing on grand final day, I think he cuts into about $9 or so. So there's some really good value there on the South Sydney boys. Where's my money going? I already had my bet about two weeks ago on my Clive Churchill medalist. I'm going to stick with my boy, Harry Grant. He's at $13. I think he'll be into about sixes or sevens on grand final day. I don't think he'll be the favourite. I think Munster will still be the favourite over him. But you watch the form that Harry Grant's in now, and, I mean, he's still putting together some match fitness, realistically. I think come finals time, as we said, this grand final, it is going to be faster than any grand final before, in my opinion. I think this is going to suit Harry Grant down to a T. I'm hoping on grand final day that Harry Grant, he'll be sitting on that bench with guys like Kamakamika. Uh, he'll have Nelson Asafa Solomona. He'll have Jesse Bromwich. He'll have all these big bodies around the ruck. And it's just going to be eyes on them. And it's going to take a lot of attention off Harry Grant. And if it doesn't, he can manipulate those big guys around the ruck. Cameron Smith did it a lot last year with these big boys. And look, Cameron Smith is a better player than Harry Grant, no doubt about it. But Harry Grant right now, for me, he is more dangerous than what Cameron Smith was last year. And the way that this game is played with ruck recognition and front foot footballers and just playing eyes up out of dummy half. It suits Harry Grant down to a T. He's my tip at $13 to take out the Clive Churchill medal in 2021. Here we are. We're heading to the business end of the season, which of course means that this Dally M medal chase, it is heating up unbelievably. I've read, read on Twitter and on the internet a couple of times that apparently Cody Walker is leading this by a heap. Personally, I find it really hard to believe. I think when it went behind closed doors in round 12, Tom Travojevic, I think he was about four or five points in front of Cody Walker. Um, and I mean, Cody Walker has absolutely brained it the last few weeks, but what Turbo has been doing has been like nothing we've seen before. So I think that Turbo could get injured right now. He could also miss the first five games of the season and I don't think anyone would come within probably six points of winning this M medal with him but we'll see how it plays out and as we head into this M medal conversation obviously Buzz Rothfield, he has dropped his M team of the year which includes his rookie of the year and his coach of the year as well. Now I haven't looked at it myself yet. I'm going to do a live reveal on the podcast now. Before I reveal his selections, I'm going to give you mine as well. So 
these can be really difficult because a lot of the time these come down to how many Dally M points you get. Well, this is what it does come down to, how many Dally M points you get. So guys that are playing in the wing and in the centers and stuff, it becomes really difficult difficult sometimes to generate these points. I remember a couple of years ago, Joey Leilua, he got Dally M center of the year. I think he had six Dally M points. Yeah. Center isn't a position that we give a heap of points to same as wingers. So it becomes really difficult for those positions, but to go through and tell you who I think will win each position, each Dally M positional award. And there's a couple that are just lights out easy ones this year. A couple of really tough ones. Uh, so we're going to dive into those now. We'll start with fullback and um, I assume it has to be Tom Travojevic. As I said, I can't see anyone getting anywhere near Turbo Tom this year for the Dally M medal. So I think he will absolutely shit in uh, for the Dally M fullback of the year. And we'll have a look at Buzz Rothfield. Yep, he's gone for Tom Travojevic as well. He says, seriously, how do you separate champions like Tom Travojevic, Latrell Mitchell and James Tedesco, plus leave out Kaelin Pong and Gutho and AJ Brimson from nominations? While Tedesco and Latrell have been outstanding, Travojevic has become not just the best fullback of this year, but the best player in the entire competition. In 12 games, he has 18 tries, 20 24 tries, 35 line break assists, and averages 180 metres per game. 35 line break assists is fucked, by the way. I cannot believe he's putting up these sort of numbers. It's incredible. So we both went for Turbo as our Dally M fullback of the year. No real shocks there. Let's dive into the wingers, and this is where it gets really interesting. For me, I narrowed it down to three names, and you could honestly go any combo of the three. You could leave out any of these three guys, and I'd say, yeah, okay, fair enough. The three guys that I had were Josh Adokar, Brian Toe, and Alex Johnston. Now, as I said, when you're picking your Dalian positional awards, it comes down to how many Dalian points you get. Now, dare I say, I think that AJ, he would have got a fair few Dalian points. He scored a heap of tries. That left edge has been on fire. I think on a couple of occasions, he would have picked up one or two points here and there, especially the games that South Sydney have had where they've dominated and they've won by 40 points odd. They've done it on a number of occasions. I think in a lot of those games, you would have seen Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell clean up a lot of points, but then I think AJ would have picked up one or two along the line there in a lot of those games. So I think AJ will be one of them. He's also the leading top try score and he's been out for a couple of weeks. Interesting to see when he comes back how many more he can pile on. So AJ would be one of my picks. The other one between Fox and Brian Toto, I mean, you can flip a coin here. You, if I had a three-headed coin, I, I'd flip that to decide this realistically. I think it'll probably go to Brian Toto. I think stats-wise and everything, we appreciate more what he does in a game than what Josh Adokar does. I think that when you get to the end of a game for the Penrith Panthers and they're looking at Dally M points, you look over at Brian Toto and he's run for 250 metres for the eighth week in a row. I think that sort of stuff matters when you're giving out these points. So for me, I would probably lean towards Brian Toto, and I would probably lead towards Alex Johnson. But I said, I think Josh Adokar has been in unbelievable form. He's one of my favorite players in the game. And on that left edge, he has just been incredible with Justin Olam there. So either of those three, I could hear in these two spots. But for me, I'm going to go with Brian Toto and Alex Johnson. Let's see what Buzz Rothfield says. So wingers, Alex Johnston is the premiership is the premiership's leading try scorer, the beneficiary of the stunning skills on South Sydney's left side. Still, it's hard to beat New South Wales State of Origin winger Josh Adokar and Brian Toto for Team of the Year. So he's sort of sitting in the same boat as me. I think it comes down to these three guys, and you decide which of them you want. There, I've gone for those two, the ones that. 
he did settle on Buzz Rothfield. They were Josh Adokar and Brian Toe. So he's left AJ out of his Dally M uh, winger of the year. I think personally he'll get enough points to probably be the top winger. But we'll see how that one plays out. Centers. This was another really, really difficult one. I had a lot of trouble for this one. Uh, the two names that I ended up coming up with with Joey Manu, I think for the Roosters, he's been unreal. And I think he's also... And this is the other thing about this position, is that a lot of these centers, they jump in. Some of them jump in and play in the halves. Some of them jump in and play fullback. And they collect a lot of points in those positions. I think Joey Manu, in the games that he's jumped in and played fullback, and when he's come into the middle a little bit more, I think he would have cleaned up a fair few points, Joey Manu. So I think he's going to shit in for center of the year. I think he'll be the one. And then the other one comes down to two guys. It's Justin Olam. I think he's been a premier centre in our game this year. He has been unbelievable on that left edge. He's been so damaging, and I think he could have even had more points. You remember at the start of the year, I think it's the only two games Melbourne have lost, he had the ball in the last play and came up with poor decisions. It was a draw and pass. It was another kick that he came up with. So it could have been even more for Justin Olam. He'd be my other centre, but the other smoky is Matty Burton. Now, of course, he's been playing left centre for the Penrith Panthers for the vast majority of the season, but he's also spent a lot of time at 5'8 uh, when the halves have been out, and I I think in those games, he would have collected a lot of points. And this is the trouble with this Dally M positional award system that they don't really take that into consideration. It's just, bang, Matt Burton, he's a centre. How many points did he get? When realistically, he got a lot of points playing in the halves. So wouldn't shock me at all if Matt Burton does sneak in there. But for me, I think Justin Olam, he's definitely done enough to be there. So I would go with Justin Olam in the centres there. Uh, Buzz Rothfield. Oh, sorry, I'd go for Olam and Joey Manu. Buzz Rothfield, he's got the same three contenders, except he has gone his winners, Joey Manu and Matt Burton. And look, I would go Justin Olam, but I think points-wise, there's a really good chance that Matt Burton does get the job done. As I said, he's played a lot of footy at 5'8". He's got a lot of points from there. But when he has been playing centre, he's been unreal as well. So I can't really push back too heavily on that decision. Let's move to the halfback category. And look, I think it's Nathan Cleary by a country mile here. I don't think you could really push back on that at all. Um, I think Adam Reynolds, he's had a solid season. I think he's very underrated in what he does. Jerome Hughes for the Melbourne Storm has been unreal as well. I mean, if you take Nathan Cleary out of the race, Jerome Hughes and Adam Reynolds, that's going to be a really tough one to separate. But for me, I have to go with uh, the Penrith Panthers halfback here. I think he's been unreal. Let's have a look what Buzz Rothfield said. Impossible to go past Nathan Cleary, who is now widely regarded as the best halfback in the competition. Adam Reynolds at the Rabbitohs, Jerome Hughes at the Storm, and Daly Cherry Evans at the Seagulls have also been magnificent too. Yeah, DCE was a guy that I didn't mention, so a good suggestion from Buzz there. But of course, he has gone for Nathan Cleary in the seven jersey for the Daly M team of the year, and I will not push back on that at all. Let's move to the lock forward position. Now, this one is very, very interesting. Victor Radley, he's missed too much football for him to get a start in this team for me. I think Dale Finucane, he's also missed his fair whack of football. He probably misses out. For me, it leaves the spot open for two guys. Uh, the two guys, one is Cam Murray, one is Isaiah Yo. Now, Cam Murray, I'm sure if you go and have a look at the stats and everything, he probably wins this one in a landslide. And another one of these ones where I wouldn't push back on all, on anyone that says Cam Murray should get this one. But I'll tell you what, I've been so impressed with Isaiah Yo this year. I think the football that he's played has been unreal. He's an absolute workhorse, and he's a real silky little ball player as well. I'm 
a big fan of Isaiah Yo. I could go with either of these two, uh, but I would probably lean a little bit to Isaiah Yo off the top of my head. I think he's been unreal this year. Let's have a look which way Buzz Rothfield has gone. I, I can't imagine anyone else coming into the conversation. Taumalolo can't possibly be there. Nathan Brown, you could probably put him in the line somewhere, but I don't think he's up there on the caliber of these top guys. Let's see what Buzz said for his Dallium lock of the year. One of the toughest calls here. We're running with Cam Murray from the Rabbitohs of lock forward of the year. Just a coat of paint ahead of Penrith Panther star Isaiah Yo. They are both great players perform every week. At Melbourne Storm, Dale Finucane and Nelson Asofa-Solomona have had terrific seasons. Yeah, okay, so he's got those two at the top as well. He has gone for Cam Murray here. I understand that. As I said, I wouldn't push back on it at all. I still think... Isaiah Yo is a little bit underrated, though, to be honest with you. Scared to think I'm on the same wavelength here as Buzz, Buzz Rothfeld. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you. Let's have a look at our edges, second rowers. Now, for me, I and I really hope Buzz has picked this guy because I'm sick of him flying under the radar. Isaiah Papali'i, I think he has to be in this conversation. And for me, he would be my Daly M second rower of the year. I know he started off the bench at the start of the year. He's played a little bit of middle as we've gone, but I think he has been unbelievable. I think it would be an extremely, extremely tough knock to leave him out of this position. So for me, I would be going uh, for, for the big fella from the Parramatta Eels there, Isaiah Papali'i. I have a look at the other spot. Guys that come to mind, David Fafita in patches, he's been unbelievable. In other patches, he's been very disappointing. Depends how heavily you want to weigh on those highlights. But the reality is that the Dahlia medal, it does reward highlights. There's been a number of occasions where you would have seen David Fafita pick up three points. I mean, he scored two hat-tricks in game, so... At a bare minimum, he's probably sitting on th- on six points there. He scored tries in a heap of other games and been really damaging, especially over the last two weeks when he's come off the bench. So I think David Fafita, he will get it. But if you want consistency, jeez, oh I think Angus Crichton has been really hard to go by this year. He's been sensational, Angus. Another one I'd be looking at for the Melbourne Storm, Kenny Bromwich, really flown under the radar year- this year. He's been great. But for me, Isaiah Papali, he has to be one. And personally, I would go Angus Crichton, but I think the way that they do this Dalian point system, I think David Fafita will get the other second row spot. Let's see what Buzz has to say. Isaiah Papali and David Fafita get the nod, although Angus Crichton at the Roosters, Josh Schuster at Manly, and Kenny Bromwich at the Storm wouldn't be out of place. Yeah, that's a fair shout. So he's gone for Fafita and Papali. He's got Angus Crichton as his next. Josh Schuster, a guy that I didn't mention, I think that's a 100% a fair shout. I think he's been unreal. So is his other second row partner on the other side. They've both been unreal. I completely forgot about Schuster, to be honest with you. Kenny Bromwich, we mentioned him. I think he's had a great season, very underrated, as he always is. But Buzz, he's gone for Isaiah Papali'i, which is sensational to see. I really hope he does get this award this year because he definitely deserves it. And, of course, Dave Fafita. As we said, this award, it comes down to highlights more often than not, and he's had a heap this year, for Fafita. Let's move to the front row, the engine room. And for me, really tough one here. Um, I would be looking at James Fisher-Harris. I think he's been unbelievable all year. I've loved the way that he's gone about his footy. James Fisher-Harris would be one for me. The other one, I'd probably go Payne Haas. Um, He's obviously finished the season stronger than what he started it, but I I just think he's been great this year, Payne Haas. Went through the Origin Series, was unreal as well, had great impact there. For me, I'd go Payne Haas. I know over at the Roosters, Jared Rhea Hargraves, he's had a massive season as well. Takiaho's carried injuries. Radley's been in and out of that team. Rhea Hargraves has really had to step up, especially since Lindsay Collins was out of that side. I think you've got to remember, 
Maria Hargraves, it looked like he was going to start on the bench all year for the Sydney Roosters when the season kicked off. But he's just gone to a new level this year, Maria Hargraves. He's one guy that I wouldn't push back on. Daniel Saifichi from the Newcastle Knights, he's been unbelievable this season as well. I think he's been great. I'm not really sure which way us will go here. It's going to be really tough. But for me... I would probably go with James Fitzharris, and I think I would go Payne Haas as well. Without diving too deep into numbers, just giving my initial reaction, Junior Paulo's another guy that's done really well too, but he probably hasn't been as great as what I sort of thought he was going to be, to be honest with you. So I'm going to go Payne Haas and James Fisher-Harris. Let's see what Buzz Rothfield had to say here. A double for the Kiwis here with James Fisher-Harris and Maria Hargraves, okay? Big, strong, powerful men who control the middle every week and terrorize opponents. Daniel Saifedi at the Knights and Junior Paulo at the Paramount Eels have also turned up and delivered each week. Wow, Payne Haas didn't even get a mention from Buzz there. Very, very interesting. Um, yeah, look, James Fisher-Harris, I, I tipped him as well. I spoke about Rhea Hargraves. Uh, Buzz has obviously gone for him, and as I said, I wouldn't push back on it, but for me, I think Payne Haas, uh, he's been really hard done by to not even get a mention in this. Daniel Saifidi was mentioned, Junior Paulo as well. I think Saifidi's been great this year. He's just so impressive, the footballer that he's become. Let's move to the hooker position. And uh, a really interesting one. I mean, it's strange to think that well, for, for me anyway, I'm going to give my Dalian hooker of the year to a guy that I think is a better lock forward than he is hooker in Brandon Smith. I also think he's the second best hooker at his club behind Harry Grant. I think you're starting to see that over the last few weeks. Harry's been unbelievable. All he needs to do is just be on the fucking field. But I think you cannot possibly take it off Brandon Smith this year. Harry spent a lot of time off the field and Brandon Smith has been unreal. Other guys that come to mind, I mean, Damian Cook, you could throw his name up. I think he's been far from impressive this year though, to be perfectly honest with you. Another guy that's been really good is Jaden Braley, but he's sort of ducked off at the back end. Another hooker that's really impressed me this year, and he won't get the raps he should, but I think Jacob Little. Like, he'd never be in the conversation to be the Dalian hooker of the year this year, but geez, I think he's been really impressive. Reed Marnie's another one that you could throw up there. Missed a couple of weeks of footy, though. He's now going to miss the back end as well, so that's really going to hurt him. And Brandon Smith, I think he's going to be another guy that obviously when he was playing hooker, he got a heap of points. Now he's going to move to the lock forward role, and I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up a couple of points there as well. His go forward is unreal in that position. So for me, I think it has to be Brandon Smith. I'm not really sure if you could possibly give this award to anyone else realistically. Let's have a look what Buzz said. Ah, This is one of the easier choices. It is seriously impossible to go past Melbourne Storm's Brandon Smith. This isn't to say Damien Cook or Abby Kurosawa has struggled. In fact, far from it. It's just that Smith has become one of the game's most valuable players. He scored the most tries and made the most line breaks and line break assists of all hookers. Yeah, look, he put up an even stronger argument than me, realistically. Buzz, I think this is an easy one going Brandon Smith. And Abby Kurosawa is a guy that I forgot about, but he has missed a bit of footy. Mitch Kenny's come in and done a really good job as well. But look, I think this will be the last time you see Brandon Smith win the hooker of the year I think for the next X amount of years it's going to be Harry Grant he's going to have his fingerprints all over that one now look let's move to rookie of the year and for me, I obviously tipped Josh Schuster at the start of the year to you guys to take out Rookie of the Year. He's been unbelievable. Even though I forgot about him in my back row selection, he's been great. I think he'll be right up there. Uh, you look at guys like Reese Walsh, who's arrived at the New Zealand Warriors. He's been unreal, especially with Roger Levy now. He's taken over a lot of responsibility. It has been a tough year for Reese Walsh, though. It's been very, very tough on him, especially on his young body. So right up there. Sam Walker's the obvious one, though. 
I think that the way that he's come into that system, and even to the point that Trent Robinson sort of gone, mate, here's the keys. You lead this team around. We're going to build around you. And I think that's helped Sam Walker a lot in this uh, rookie of the year chase. Dane Laurie is another guy that I think has been unbelievable this year. He's injured, and he's probably fallen uh, into the background a little bit as far as this conversation goes. But to do what he did this year at the West Tigers, that has blown me away. He has been so impressive this year. It's been incredible, Dane Laurie. So I'd have to put him right up there. The other guy that can't possibly get the award, but fuck, if he would have played the whole season, it'd be interesting to see what we're saying. Toby Sexton. I mean, we tipped him off to you guys a couple of weeks ago, and he's coming to first grade. He's been unbelievable. We're going to touch on him more over the next couple of days. We've got an Instagram post coming about him as well, so stay tuned for that. But, wow, Toby Sexton, he has been incredibly impressive in his first few games at first grade to the point where... Jamal Fogarty, he got the Coach's Award last year. He's the captain of the club. Fuck, I don't know if he's going to get back into this side, to be perfectly honest with you. Toby Sexton, absolutely braining it. A number of guys you could throw up here, but I think it's going to be really hard to go past Sammy Walker. I think he's done incredibly well on this side. I think they're going to finish fourth or fifth, considering all the injuries, all the strike weapons that he's lost, the amount of try assists and everything he's had this year, and the way that he's done it. He's playing football the way that no one else is. Is it always the most successful way to do it? No, but my God, it's entertaining, and it's taken some serious balls from Sam Walker. He's had a bit of controversy here here and there, but I think the stands out the thing that stands out for me with Walker is just he has been belted and bashed all year. He is resilient as hell. He just keeps on standing up. He just keeps on showing a jersey. I think it's been incredible. That night that Tavita Pangai Jr. went after him, fuck, that was hard to watch. It was like watching 24 car accidents involving Sam Walker. There was a night against the Melbourne Storm where they absolutely belted him as well. He's come up with a few match-winning field goals. Anzac Day was unbelievable for the Roosters. Some of those lofting passes he's thrown, I mean... They are just so far ahead of where a rookie should be. Yeah, they are. That is an experienced football play. That take it takes a lot of confidence to play long, but to also play slow to be able to get the the right float on it. It's an incredible hard part, incredibly hard pass that I think people undervalue just how difficult it is to you know sort of glide a ball over a winger, but then to land it into the spot. And the hardest thing about it is the dip. The dip is where it gets extremely difficult. It's easy to throw the ball over the top of someone, but to make it clear the winger, clear the outside men, and then dip into the zone that you needed to dip into, it's incredible from Sam Walker, especially to throw it like a spiral like he does. Makes it even more impressive. The wingers have been unreal outside him, no doubt about it, but God, he's thrown some good seeds this year. So for me, I would have to go Sammy Walker as my Dallium Rookie of the Year. We'll have a look at what Buzz has got. There's no, um, there's no paragraph here, but he has got Sam Walker as his. I think that's the obvious one. Let's move to the last Dallium Positional Award, and we've got got the coach of the year and um, Ivan Cleary there was an argument for him a couple of weeks ago which was completely fair I think Trent Robinson has done an unbelievable job he might finish fourth place with you know off the top of my head they've their hookers retired their second rower their captain and the Australian captains retired the best winger we've probably ever seen has retired they have just had injuries left right and center and suspensions it's been a nightmare and for Trent Robinson to keep this team relevant has been impressive. To keep them in the top four, absolutely amazing. So Trent, if you said to me Trent Robinson deserves it this year, I probably wouldn't push back on you, to be honest with you, because I probably couldn't form a good enough argument. But hey, I think it has to go to Craig Bellamy. Uh, what he's done this year, and yes, he's got a good team, I understand that, but 
done this the year after Cameron Smith retired and after they won a premiership. Yeah, that takes a lot out of the gas. And losing a guy like that, I mean, a team shouldn't improve when they lose the best player of all time. Yeah, for, and, and you know what? If you want to tell me he's not the best player of all time, fine. That's that's sweet. A team should not improve when they lose a top three best player of all time. I mean, the worst you could put Cam Smith is at three, in my opinion. Teams should not be improving. You look at what happened to the Roosters once Freddie left. I mean, he retired in 04. They finished eighth in 05. I mean, and then it was an absolute basket case. It was a complete and utter shit fight. You look at the Newcastle Knights, whenever you take Joey out of that team, absolute basket case all over the place. You take Cameron Smith out of this Melbourne Storm team, they replace him with the Dallium hooker of the year, and then off the bench, the best hooker in the game. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is just crazy. I think that if they win this competition, they will break, and they go undefeated, which I think they will win out from here, to be honest with you. They'll break the record for most wins in a row, which is incredible. I think they're, they're sitting on 17 or 18 at the moment, which has just blown me away. And, I mean, it hasn't all gone smoothly for them. They lost their first-choice fullback. They lost their best hooker. Dale Finucane has missed footy. All of those forwards have missed a couple of games here and there. In the midst of all that, we had a fucking State of Origin series that Cameron Munster went off and played. I mean... They have lost so many troops. Felice Cafusi, Cameron Munster, Christian Welsh, Josh Adokar. You name it, they've had guys come and go from this squad all the time. They've got a completely new right edge of um, Remus Smith, who I think they picked as a winger, realistically. He's had to play centre. He's done incredibly well. Outside him... It has just been a turnstile of players that, that, that have come onto that wing this year to replace Vunavalu. It's been a very tough situation, and Craig Bellamy, he has been the glue that's held it together all this time. For me, I would have to go Craig Bellamy by a country mile. Wouldn't be surprised if Buzz does go for Trent Robinson. I wouldn't push back on it. Let's have a look. Buzz has gone for Craig Bellamy. He's got Trent Robinson as his second option, and then Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett's another guy that we didn't mention. Obviously, he's done incredibly well this year, but for me, I just think this team has been fading in and out of games too much for me to give him coach of the year. I think it has to be Craig Bellamy. A close second for me would have been Trent Robinson. So me and Buzz are on the money there. Look, we both made very similar decisions. I think the only ones that we disagreed on were guys that Buzz picked that I said I had in close contention. I think Jared Rhea Hargraves was one of them. And I think the other one was Josh Adokar as well that missed out for me. And of course, Matty Burton, another guy that we mentioned. So we're on a similar similar brainwave this year, which, as I said, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you guys decide that. Really enjoyed doing this live reaction, guys. Hopefully we can get more and more of these lists that come out over the next couple of weeks. Really looking forward to diving into them with you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, I was just taking a deep dive this afternoon in the Guru's basement. Have a look at the Melbourne Storm's run this year. Now, they've won 17 games in a row, which is equal with what the Penrith Panthers did last year. An incredible effort. It's right up there with the best runs in rugby league history. Now, the team that owns that record of the greatest run ever is, of course, the 1975 Sydney Roosters. They won 19 games on the trot, which is incredibly impressive. Now, the Melbourne Storm, if they beat the Canberra Raiders tonight... 
That'll be their 18th victory. If they knock over the Gold Coast Titans next week, that will be their 19th victory in a row. If they defeat the Parramatta Eels the week after, after winning the next two games, that will be the 20th victory in a row for the Melbourne Storm, and it will break the record of the 1975 Sydney Roosters, led by the great Arthur Beetson and coached by the great Jack Gibson. So an incredible knock there. And funnily enough, coming against the Parramatta Eels, a club that both Jack Gibson coached at and that Arthur Beetson played at as well. It's funny how rugby league works in these ways. But even more amazingly, now you think about this, the Melbourne Storm over the last few years. Let's have a look. Over the last four seasons, they went 2018, they lost to the Sydney Roosters. Uh, The Roosters then came back in 2019 and they won that grand final. So the Sydney Roosters went back-to-back in 18 and 19, defeating the Melbourne Storm in 2018. So they essentially lost a grand final, had a week, had a year off going to the grand final, then came back season 2020, and they won that premiership. Now they're red-hot favourites to win it in 2021, and it looks more than likely that they will break this incredible record set by the 1975 Sydney Roosters, or East as they were called back then. Now let's go back in time, and let's have a look at the 1975 East side. Now... They obviously defeated the Canterbury Bulldogs in 1974. They came back the year after and beat St. George 38-0. Obviously a champion team, that St. George side. We all know that amazing story. But what makes it even more interesting is that obviously they they, they went back-to-back 74-75. But the year before that, the Manly Seagulls won. And the year before that, the Manly Seagulls won again. So before East won in 74-75, another team went back-to-back the year before in 1973 and in 1972. Now, in 1972, do you know who the Manly Seagulls defeated? They defeated East. Very similar to the run that this Melbourne Storm side has had. So, essentially, this East side, they lost in 1972 to the Manly Seagulls, who went on to win in 1973, going back-to-back Premier 72-73. East, they lost the 72 grand final, didn't feature in the 73 grand final. Then, of course, 1974, East win, they defeat Canterbury. 1975, they defeat St. George in that grand final. And that's the year that they set the all-time record for most wins in a row. Eerily similar to what the Melbourne Storm could achieve this year. You look at their past four years. 2018, they lose to the Sydney Roosters. 2019, they don't feature in that grand final, but the Roosters win 18 and 19. 2020, they win that premiership. 2021, if they win this premiership, it means they've gone back-to-back after another team went back-to-back who beat them in the first grand final of that back-to-back series, and they could potentially break almost a 50-year-old record that this same 1975 Eastern Suburbs Roosters team has held for that long. The, the similarities, it is eerie. All these little ties that we see in rugby league history constantly. It's going to be very interesting over the next few weeks if the Melbourne Storm are able to break this record and are able to go on and win the premiership in season 2021 being back-to-back premiers, it will be eerily similar to what Arthur Beetson's and Jack Gibson's Eastern Suburbs Roosters did between 1972 and 1975. Yes, no doubt about it. I was sitting in the basement with my tinfoil hat on, but I just thought those stats are really interesting. Sometimes you get these little weird things that come along in rugby league, and if it plays out this way, I think that is crazy. And I mean, when you're talking about the greatest coaches of all time, I mean, you've got to be talking about Jack Gibson 
And I think now you've got to be talking about Craig Bellamy. If he goes back-to-back now in an era where going back-to-back is near impossible, we've only seen it, what, twice in 30 years, I think you have to put him right up there with the legends like Jack Gibson and the greatest coaches of all time. These two, it's something that they could have in common. And I think personally, if the Melbourne Storm do manage to break this record, and personally, I think there's a really, really good chance they go on to win every game from here on in, which would mean... Off the top of my head, just doing the math, something along the lines of a record of about 23, 24 games in a row, probably about 23 because they'd only play three finals games. For me, I don't think that will be a record that will ever be broken in rugby league, to be perfectly honest with you. So it is something that Craig Bellamy could hold forever, in my opinion. Obviously, there will be great teams to come. We probably never thought this Eastern Suburbs record would be broken, but I just think if the Melbourne Storm go 20-plus, that is just going to be too hard in the modern game for anyone to break. Keep an eye on this record over the next week for the Melbourne Storm. It'll be another unbelievable achievement. And keep in mind, this is all off the back of one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player of all time, retiring Cameron Smith. An incredible thing for this system to be able to, to do. A good system always beats a good team. There is no doubt about it. Bit of a disappointing uh, night last night. Obviously, we had two games of footy. I enjoyed both. Uh, Brisbane Broncos, Roosters was a little bit controversial. Uh, Obviously, the back end of that game was pretty crazy, and we'll touch on that during the week. The first game, though, um, the St. George of the Wild Dragons, the Penrith Panthers. Uh, The Panthers ran out with that one, and obviously the Dragons, I think they had like 60% possession. They just weren't able to do anything with it. It was like they got into the red zone. They just completely shit the bed, and uh, the guy that caught the most blame for it was Corey Norman. And look, uh, do I defend... Corey Norman, how he played last night? No, like, he, he played pretty poor. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I don't think there's any questioning that. And I think that the best person to admit that they played poorly would be Normie. I mean, he's always sort of been on the front foot with this stuff. He doesn't pretend like everything's hunky-dory. He owns up to when he's played shit. We've seen him do this before. I've heard him on on his own po- on the boys' podcast talk about how when he has played shit. Yeah, he's not a guy that hides away from this sort of stuff. And... You know, the reality of rugby league is that when you play a poor game, people are going to jump on Twitter, Instagram, social media, and give their thoughts and critique that player. And I don't have an issue with people critiquing players and how they play. It's when you sort of get personal that then we have an issue. Because you don't know Normie from a bar of soap, yeah? You've got no idea what sort of guy he is. You see 80% of him on a Saturday night, on a Friday night, which, you know, of a whole week, that's probably 0.5%. That's all you see of Normie. You don't see all the other stuff. You don't see him at training. You don't see how he deals with fans. You don't see when he's doing things for charity, when he's taking time out of his own day to go and do things for other people and not putting it all over his social media, which I know for a fact Normie has done on a number of occasions. You see the guy on a Sunday on TV trying to play a role in a team, and in a team that isn't really going overly well, yeah? I remember when, when Normie almost won the Dalyama a couple of years ago, and he was the most popular guy in the world, yeah? Uh, his football hasn't been as good since then, and he just cops it left, right, and centre. And as I said, if you're giving a critique on his football play, I don't have a huge issue with it. It's when it gets personal that we have an issue. And last night, for me, it was taken to a new level. And I, I didn't see the post live myself, but I saw, obviously, Justin Horrow shared it. YKT Arts Sports shared it. I saw the NRL's t- NRL roast touch on it as well. And it's really scary what happened last night. Um, Fox League decided that it was fair play for them to take all of the negative comments on Twitter and compile them into one post posted on Instagram page. Now, for me, I just can't 
understand how and look I make content all the day all, all, all the time yeah all day every day I'm making content and I know with an Instagram post and I think it was um, Lukey Stowe that posted this as well and it, it's completely right I mean it takes a fair bit of time to make content, yeah? For them to go on Twitter, for them to type in the hashtag Dragons, Briz- uh, Dragons Penrith or whatever it was and find and s- go through all of those comments to find every negative comment about Corey Norman they could, compile them, crop them, put them in, in an image. And then if you have a look at the image and you understand design, they've got a picture of Corey Norman. They've layered it with another picture of Corey Norman. And then they have taken that next layer and they've added other layers around it that would have probably taken 20 25 minutes for them to put together yeah like just from a design point of view that would have taken them a fair whack of time to do i imagine it would have been one person doing it that's put it together but oh my i mean at some point throughout that entire process of making that post did they not sit there and go huh is this fair play is this fair of us to compile every negative comment we can about a human being who had a bad day at his work and post it for our quarter of a million followers to see? I mean, where do we get off here? Where where, where on earth does someone making this post... And you know what? Maybe who, who, whoever made it, maybe they were told for, from above to do it, yeah? Whatever it might be, the, the buck has got to stop at Fox League somewhere, though, because this is not sweet. This is not sweet. And I know a lot of people say, oh, just because it's Corey Norman, he's YKTR, the boys have got a platform, blah, blah. It doesn't matter that it's Corey Norman. It doesn't matter at all. And if you want to tell yourself that that's why people are upset, that's why I'm upset about it, then you are kidding yourself. You are living in a fantasy land. It is not okay to do this to players. It is not okay to do this to anyone. Once again, if you had a bad day at work and then... 250,000 people saw a a post on social media that was a heap of people compiling how poor you were today. Is that sweet? I don't think it is. I think it's complete and utter bullshit. And Fox League, being the entity they are and having the power they are, to essentially say, hey, cyberbullying is sweet. We're promoting it. It is just bullshit. It is absolute crap. And you might say, oh, they didn't promote it, but they did by posting it. They're normalizing it by posting it and turning it into something that is usual. It's bullshit. And you can tell as soon as they get called out, and Justin Horro makes the perfect point. He's like, don't you dare ever promote mental health or men's mental health or anything like that ever again because you are heading in the opposite direction. You have literally publicly bullied Corey Norman, you've gone out of your way to do it, and it is absolute crap. And you know what happened? Fox League, put her in reverse. Beep, 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 delete the whole thing. Have they taken any accountability for it? No. Their post, their their article that they had on their website, guess who wrote it? Take a wild fucking guess which name they put to this. You know, you already know. It was staff writers. That just screams cowards absolute cowards to go that far to go to that much effort to make something to write something criticizing one dude essentially trying to bully one dude online and then to not even put your name next to it staff writers it is absolute bullshit and you know i feel sorry for normie from what we've gathered from what justin horro has said online that uh he has checked in on normie he seems to be okay and look you know you know the most fucked up thing about it is it's the fact that normie probably is okay because this is like water off a duck's back to Normie, that he's been this guy on so many occasions that he's probably okay to deal with it. And for me, that's a bigger problem. 
That is the biggest problem of all, that we get certain guys in rugby league that become the fall guys, that become the guys that as soon as they trip, we're coming for you. It's been happening in rugby league for decades. You look at Jamie Soward in the late 2000s. He was winning a premiership and people were still looking for a reason to have a go at him. You look at Jackson Hastings. This is a young kid who was told for six years coming through the juniors, you're going to be a superstar. You're going to be one of the best we've ever seen. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And then he comes into rugby league and he's confident. And we try and rip him apart. We try and tear him down. All Fox League, all of these fucking publications go after a kid like that. We force him to go over to England. And you know what? I sat down with him to do an interview at the end of last season. And I I remember watching Jacko playing footy when he was 15, 16, playing for the Dragons in Harold Matz and all that. And I was so impressed with him. Yes, he had a bit of swagger. Yes, he was super confident. You could call it arrogant. But because of what the media builds up, I honestly sat down there with Jackson Hastings in that interview and thought, oh, fuck, here we go. What sort of a guy am I going to get here? They built this narrative up in my head for years about Jackson Hastings being an asshole, being a prick, that when I sat down with him, I thought, oh, this will be interesting. I got two minutes in and I went, fuck, I would love to share 10 beers with this guy. I would love to sit at a pub with this guy and spend an afternoon watching footy with him because he's a genuine bloke. This is nothing like the guy I thought he was. And then I sat back and thought, why did I think Jackson Hastings was going to be a prick? And it all came down to because the media paints a picture. Yeah, they're doing the same thing with Normie. They're doing it again. It is just bullshit. It is absolute crap. I cannot... And, you know, I've had people message me once again saying, oh, isn't it just because it's Normie that we're getting upset? And I was like, okay, fine. But let's say it's your brother, your son, you know, your dad that's in this situation where a huge media outlet compiles all the negative things that were said about that person then puts it out there and doesn't even say that this shouldn't be happening. They just back it 100% they put it out there. It's not fine. It doesn't matter whether it's Normie. It doesn't matter if it's Cameron Smith. It doesn't matter if it's fucking Gutherson. We all love it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Anthony Dawn. It doesn't matter who it is. That's not the point. It's the point that it's happened and it's not sweet. It is not okay in our modern game to have things like this happening. And you know what? The biggest positive to come out of this for for me, and it's a little bit of a silver lining that's a little bit of a sideshow. It doesn't make anything better for... Well, to some extent, it does make things better for Normie. But it's the amount of people that messaged me and said, oh, it's so good to see media changing. And by media changing, they mean other pages that they're now starting to get their rugby league content from. Obviously, YKTR Sports, NRL Roast, myself, a bloke in a bar, like so many fantastic different outlets that you can go to to get your rugby league content and it's genuine rugby league content. It's not written by a 55-year-old sitting in an office watching the data of his clicks trying to get more and more of it. It is just bullshit that we are in this situation with Fox League and these sort of characters. It is crap. And the narrative is changing. And I would love to see Fox League and take out some accountability. At the moment, it's quarter past 11, Saturday morning. It's been radio fucking silence from Fox League. No one has come out and said, we fucked up, we made a mistake, it won't happen again. That is the absolute bare minimum that we hope to get from them. Absolute bare minimum, yeah? Even better would be to never do anything like this again. That'd be sensational. I think they probably have learned their lesson, but... I mean, we've had these situations before. I I saw another post earlier today where they put together a highlights package of Chad Townsend a few weeks ago when he missed three goals in a row and lost the game for the Cronulla Sharks. Or the Cronulla Sharks lost the game and they pinned it on Chad Townsend. I mean, why on earth would you make a post like that? It is just so backwards. It is unbelievable. I cannot believe that this sort of stuff is happening in rugby league. And for the vast majority, we kind of ignore it. It's bullshit. 
I mean, our game promotes mental health and positivity and all these things constantly. And then we've got Fox League making these sort of posts. It's embarrassing. And you know what? It's great that the the new wave is coming. The tide is sort of changing. There's other outlets for you to get your rugby league from instead of this one juggernaut that sits about above everyone else and makes their own rules just for clicks. And, and you know what? You know what the most unfortunate thing is? Four years ago, before bloke in a bar with big YKTR spells, myself NRL roast, that would have probably been their highest click content. I was talking to another content creator this morning, and I and I I won't mention his name because I, I I don't know how vocal he wants to be about it, but. I mean, and he, he, he said that to me. He said, you know what? It probably would have been their best content, realistically, because people love to eat up that negativity shit. People love to point the finger at these bad guys that the media creates for you. We love villains in rugby league. The media does a better job than anyone of creating these villains. And unfortunately, a lot of people jump on the bandwagon and, and want to give them shit because they're emotional after a game of football. I mean, I just I just don't understand how we've got to this point and, and not even how we've got to this point, but how it's 2021 and we still have this sort of stuff happening. It honestly does blow me away. And I really hope Fox League has learned a lesson from this. I hope they come out and take accountability and say, hey, we fucked up. It was a terrible mistake. We apologize to Normie. We apologize to Rugby League for promoting that sort of negative behavior. You have a look. I work in schools, yeah? The amount of cyberbullying that is going on and the effect it is having on young children and young people in our country, you go and have a look at the, the, the statistics, the amount of suicides that are coming off the back of cyberbullying, and here's Fox League making a heap of cyberbullying, making a cute, nice design out of it and posting it. It is just unbelievable. Oh, I'm sorry that I have got a little bit emotional about this, guys, but I just I don't understand how... Anyone can get away with this. I don't understand how just deleting a post can make everything okay again. It is just so backwards. It is so wrong. So wrong. I can't believe the stuff is still happening. Look, hopefully it's the last time we see it happen. Hopefully, you know, the new wave of new ways to get your rugby league content, hopefully it's starting to change. Because you would never see, you would never see myself roasty, uh, bloke in a bar, Clark. Like, you would never see anyone else make this sort of content. And it's just bullshit. Why, why would anyone in their right mind make this sort of content about any human being? Why would you Why would you collect all the negativity about one person and then post it up there because you know it's going to get good clicks? It's going to completely ruin one person. And thank God, Normie can handle this sort of shit solely because you've all been fucking pricks to him for so long that it won't have a huge effect on him, or I surely hope it won't, but I would assume it won't have a huge effect on Normie because he's been through this before. He's been there. He's done it. He knows that next week there'll be a new guys to to put shit on. It'll be Latrell Mitchell next week. It'll be someone else. There'll be someone else that'll come up that's another one of these villains. Normie's probably waiting for Jackson Hastings to arrive back in the NRL so he, he can be the guy again. It's just complete and utter bullshit, and I think we need to be better in rugby league. Sorry for the swearing, guys, but it really rubs me up the wrong way. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.